I'm also recording. Yeah. But yeah, my friend's got a dog named Evie, and she's a Shiba Inu, and she is, I think the coloring is called sesame, where it's kind of like nice toasty brown. She is very cute, and I got to hang out with them on Friday night. Evie, the dog, is very small and very cute, and has, <laughs> has I think I've heard Shiba Inus described as like, the cats of dogs, and I believe <laughs> that is true. What does that even mean? Shiba Inus seem like the most dog dogs to ever dog. They have very, I'm going to say they have very, like, concrete personalities and sassy. It would be hilarious to see an antisocial Shiba Inu. (laughs) Shiba Inu's judging you. Oh, I guess that's just the horny jail. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Also in cat news, I learned today that if I'm going to vacuum, I need to put my cat in my bedroom before I turn the vacuum cleaner on. Otherwise, she gets scared and scratches me to pieces, <laughs> which is not her fault, and I'm not mad, but it's like a, oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I've only played through half an hour of Digimon Survive so far. <laughs> I finished the first chapter, but that took me like three hours, I think. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, like, it's, it's a, mind you, I'm also the one who goes around and like, examines everything. I point and click mm-hmm. at all the point and clickables in this point and click adventure game. Yeah. <laughs> also, because I am me, I am agonizing over, oh no, character decisions, I just want to be friends with everybody. <laughs> this is also why I don't play Otome games usually. <laughs> I, yeah, I think this is actually the first visual novel I've played before. Like, it counts I as own... a visual novel? Yeah, I think most people are calling it a visual novel. It has okay. like, enough visual novel elements. Okay, okay. They're not just for dating anymore. <laughs> Like, I have Doki Doki Literature Club, but I haven't played it yet, because it's a game where, like, oh, a visual novel, you have to read it. You can't, like, play it while Mm -hmm. listening to a podcast or Power Rangers in the other ear. (laughs) Yeah. You have to focus. Yeah. The only visual novel or otome that I've ever played was with with Date Me, Damn It, courtesy of our friends over at Crick and Russian Cam, when we played, I think it was Rose of Winter? It was Mac and I, and it was a game where you get to pick, like, mythical creatures to date. And because I'm me, I went with the dragon. <laughs> One time at an anime convention, all of me and all my friends were all in a room together because we booked like one of the the big suites that fits eight people and has like a living room in the middle because it was at a, a university, not a hotel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were all together. We were playing Dream Daddy, and everyone was giving voices. And oh. uh, one of the daddy's ex-wives showed up, and Lindsay was voicing her, and she gave her this thick Scottish accent. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that Lindsay gave her, like, a Karen accent, like, and I need to speak with your manager, please. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have never played Dream Daddy. I've seen things about it, but I've never played it. (laughs) Again, because me me and dating sims. (laughs) Yeah, from the small bit I saw of it, it's a good game. They should make a Glee dating sim. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, Or at least a dating sim themed after Glee. (gasps) Christina, let's make a Glee dating sim. (laughs) <laughs> a glee date an off-brand a musical theater show dating sim you can play as riley and tim tim and Ben's. soccer ball <laughs> and instead of a mohawk he has his hair shaved into the soccer ball and <laughs> pentagons <laughs> oh my god and bike <laughs> <laughs> and Ferrari 
<laughs> she deserves Ferrari. <laughs> oh no, Portia! We can name her after our friend Portia! <laughs> oh, exactly! Technically, it's a Porsche. I know. That's the only car fact I know. <laughs> yeah, but now also I'm like, who would the wild card be in in a musical theater show dating sim? Well, who's the wild card in Glee? Is it Britney? Probably, but like... And they're still named Britney. It's actually Britney <laughs> fell through a dimensional hole. Yes. <laughs> Britney is the Br- Deadpool of Glee. <laughs> Britney S. Pierce, Princess of Heart, <laughs> the character from the TV show, has entered the dating sim. One time I was reading a Glee fanfic set in the Marvel Universe where they all end up with superpowers and like the epilogue uh-huh. where they all go off on their separate superhero journeys had Brittany doing a team up with Squirrel Girl and Deadpool because they were just the three most unhinged people in the universe at that point. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Gosh, I remember a superhero fix for Glee. We probably talked about this at some point, but the one that I remember the most was one where it was like, they were on an airplane and then they all... And then the plane got hit by lightning or something, and then they all got superpowers. <laughs> and then I also had an AU that I was writing for myself, where it was like, oh, hey, they all go work for the Avengers. <laughs> Kurt <laughs> makes costumes for the Avengers, and Santana becomes Black Widow's apprentice. <laughs> yeah. And she calls and her then... Drakonska, which means little dragon. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, after season four, there are a bunch of DC-themed superhero fix where Blaine joined the Bat family and Kurt became Catwoman's apprentice. I think <laughs> Blaine would be- I feel like Blaine would fit in the in the Bat family of, like, Wayne family adventures. Yeah, that's I a mean, very, when I that's say a very Bat good family, comic. That's the, I, I don't think of, like, the canon canon Bat family. I think of Wayne family adventures and the Panda Red and the brief glimpse we saw in Harley Quinn. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, do you want to talk about Glee? Yeah, we should also probably count, because we didn't count either. (laughs) Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello and welcome to Loser Like Me, a podcast where we watch Glee and then we talk about it in a way that's a review and a recap. Uh, and I'm Jennifer Garner Stunt Double Tanner. <laughs> I'm Christina, and what's the capital of Ohio? Oh. Oh! Who's the president right now? Will I am. What's round on both ends and high in the middle? Ohio. Yeah. I've grown out of Ohio jokes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for for today, we are going to be discussing season three, episode two, I am Unicorn. I am Unicorn. <laughs> I... M Unicorn! I have the power! <laughs> By the power of gay, I am Unicorn! <laughs> or, as my brain kept wanting to write when I was taking notes yesterday, I am Unicron. <laughs> this is bad comedy. This episode aired on September 27th of 2011. It was directed by Brad Falchuk and written by Ryan Murphy. Or at least... Ryan was the head writer, which is kind of surprising given that this episode has some 
some bits and plots that are less Ryan Murphy than I would have expected. We should probably just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, this this is a season of reigning Ryan in. Good. I, I hope it continues to happen. Oh, who knows? Uh, let's begin with yes. Brittany appearing at Kurt's locker, telling him that she would like to run his uh, school presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, Kurt, you're a unicorn. And he's like, what? And then we get to find out about Brittany's religion. Yes, her religion is unicorns. <laughs> because when a pony does a good deed, he gets a horn and becomes a unicorn and then can fly and uh, fart cotton candy. But then when he's completed his mission, the horn falls off, I think? No, when he stops believing in himself. Ah, yes. And, and black unicorns are zebras, which is false. Everybody knows that child unicorns are zebras, and then when they reach maturity, the girls become white and the boys become black. That's right. I've played Zoo Tycoon. Okay. I was like, is this, is this a My Little Pony thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, My Little Pony has actual zebras in it. Yes, I remember. Uh, at least one. And she's a African-style witch doctor. And I've never seen the show, so I yeah. don't know how they handled it, but weird starting point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Brittany also adds in that a unicorn is also someone who knows they're magical and isn't afraid to show it. And Kurt is like, okay, well, I will take that explanation. And uh, how about if we hang out after school and make posters? Yeah. Although Kurt also says, like, Brittany, if you're so passionate about this, why don't you run? And Brittany's like, no, I'm not smart enough to run. And then we get a montage that I just described as Brittany is a dumb, which I don't like. But But she is, like... Yeah, it's... It's just like, in case you forgot that Brittany lives in her own little world. Yeah, and I, I wish it felt a little bit less demeaning, is what I was getting at. <laughs> well, I think that was the point, that, like, Br Brittany has to feel looked down upon during the episode, so that her turn at the end has more, like, emotional weight. Every second episode of the seasons going forward will be a Brittany finds her self-esteem episode. <laughs> kind of. Well, it's like, I get it because the whole series has just been, haha, Brittany says funny things. And this is the first time we see that, like, Brittany being perceived as dumb is actually starting to weigh on her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, th I think she deserves lots of good things. <laughs> exactly. Yes. We then go to the meeting of the Glee Club as everyone files in. Um, Santana is still not here because Will kicked her out last time. Great job, Will. Good job teaching. What a teachable moment. Will tells them that Vocal Adrenaline came in second at Nationals last year, and Finn says that's, that was one of the only good things to come out of that weekend, and he says, Rachel, like, elbows him, and he's like, aside from us getting together. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that Vocal Adrenaline's, uh, donors don't like it when they come in second place, so they lost a lot of money, and Dustin Goolsby got fired. <laughs> yep. And we don't know who's taken over yet. So right now they have to take advantage of this vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And by taking on what Will is calling a booty camp, and Mercedes is like, eh, I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like the name. <laughs> I'll have more to say about Mercedes next episode. <laughs> yeah. And Will then clarifies that this is remedial dance camp for people who need it. Finn, Puck, Kurt, and Mercedes. And Mercedes. Yes. Kurt and Mercedes are a little bit miffed that they have to be included, and Mike does point out that Kurt only has one move, it's a sachet, and it's super distracting. Uh-huh. Hashtag bye Mike. <laughs> exactly. I think this is where the, the Kurt x Mike ship really took off, and because mm -hmm. Kurt, Kurt combined with Mike is Kirk, 
Much much like how every <laughs> every listen every Kirk ship had a vehicle associated with it. For some reason, Kur- Kurtovsky was a pirate ship. Kirk, of course, was the Enterprise. <laughs> nice. Now, now I'm just thinking about one or both of them getting onto one of the Star Treks. Oh, that would be great. They would do real good on a Star Trek. They we'll have would. to wait until we'll have to wait until Harry uh, Shum's character on Grey's Anatomy gets like I don't know killed or fired because those are the two ways you get written off. <laughs> Could you imagine Harry Shum Jr.? I, I feel like Harry Shum Jr. would be good on, like, lower decks. I think he'd be good on any of them. Like, I haven't yeah, seen Shadowhunters, but he played a much more, like, serious role on that. I mean, as serious as he can be. He was a sassy old yeah. warlock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harry Shum Jr. has shown that he can he can act both in comedic roles and dramatic roles. and also, He has the range, darling. He has the range, and he's good with camp. So I think that just makes him a very good get- for Star Trek? Yes. Plus, he, w- he would do a good uh, Star Trek shake. <laughs> when the bridge gets hit, then they'll go, Oh, we're going down! Oh, apparently, no! apparently they do that in Strange New Worlds. <laughs> oh, God bless. <laughs> anyway, Blaine then volunteers himself to be in the remedial dance group because he's like, I want to, I need to catch up with everyone else because as we have established last season, the Warbirds really don't dance. <laughs> and so he needs to step his game up. And then Will also announces that uh, because he wants to focus on Glee, that he will not be involved in the directing of West Side Story, which apparently since Rachel and Kurt asked nicely last time, is just going to be the school musical now. <laughs> But he then reveals that that West Side Story will have uh, co-directors, and the two directors are Coach Beast and Emma. Coach Beast says that he's qualified because he's good at coaching, and also he was in a production of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And he was the forum. That joke did not land for me. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Kind of, but also like, do they even get to the forum in that play? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I, I have not seen it. <laughs> Me neither. But from what I remember of reading the Wikipedia summary, I think they just constantly get waylaid and then eventually they just end in some kind of four-way marriage. Huh. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and then Will kind of... Will volunteers Artie to also help. He's like, what if there is a student director? Artie, it's you. Uh-huh. And Artie's like, I don't know, man. But everyone else kind of encourages him, which is nice. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Yay! Yay! And then shortly after that, Will is in the uh, staff room, and then mm-hmm. he finds that the wickedly talented Shelby Corcoran has returned. <laughs> she has been hired by Sugar's dad to start a secondary glee club in the school just for her. Yes, my note here was Almada, who is definitely not with the mob. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote a very generous donation check to William McKinley High School to fund Shelby, the best musical teacher that money can buy. And also his donation ended the school's toilet paper shortage. Wipe away! (laughs) (laughs) God bless bless Iqbal Teva. Yep. Uh, And Will is like, oh, it's so cool that the arts are being double supported in McKinley. Also, are you, do you plan on traumatizing Rachel Quinn and Puck? Yes. And she's like, I am going to be nice. And I'm here like, you don't have to interact with these teenagers unless you want to. 
I mean, I don't blame her for wanting to seek them out and make amends yeah. on account of she she listened to our podcast and knows that she left a weird taste in everyone's mouth when she bounced. <laughs> and also, if she didn't, I guarantee that those three would have sought her out the moment they found out she was there. Yeah. <laughs> the three of them take a road trip to New York and knock on Shelby's door. We're here to judge you. <laughs> Well, yeah, speaking of Quinn, uh, we then cut to Quinn and the Skanks, which would be a hell of a name for a punk band. Nice. They're swirling a girl, presumably a freshman, for her lunch money, and one of them threatens her with a plastic spork. <laughs> and then Sue Sylvester comes in and d- dismisses the Skanks and says, I need to talk to Quinn alone. And basically asks Quinn to star in her campaign PSA about a girl for whom the arts ruined everything. Yeah. And she also offers Quinn in exchange her position on the Cheerios back, presumably as like captain or some kind of leadership or starring role, and also the opportunity to destroy Glee Club. And Quinn says, I also want smoking couches underneath the bleachers so that I can sit after I have smoked for so long that I can no longer stand. Yeah. Sue has like one joke about how like smoking's bad, but it sure makes you look cool. But I am glad that the show is like, no, smoking really is bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially for vocal- when you're in musical theater. <laughs> My last note here was, damn, what if Quinn had joined Shelby's uh, show choir? <laughs> I mean, put a pin in that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's time for campaign planning. <laughs> yep. So Brittany is showing Kurt his bulging pink fun sack. <sighs> which is swag bags she wants to hand out that have things like pride flags and high heels in them. Ruby high heels, specifically. They should be silver, Brittany. Come on! <laughs> know your history! Look, she wants to show that everyone is a friend of Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> and all of her ideas for posters are very pink and fluffy and playing up the gay characterization. And Kurt even says that this is a little bit much. He's like, I don't want posters that just go gay, dee, gay, gay, gay. Which... I feel like I heard that sampled and remixed at some point on Tumblr <laughs> after this episode aired. The Glee Nightcore remix. Probably. And Kurt holds up a poster that's like, old Hollywood, look at me, I'm suave and sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he says something sarcastic, and Brittany takes it seriously, and he's like, Brittany, that was a joke. And then she was like, well, to like elbow me or something next time, because I don't always understand jokes or sarcasm no i wrote it down she says next time you make a joke nudge me in the ribs or honk a horn or something yeah and i'm like britney britney neurodivergent yes <laughs> yes we we have established this yeah it just uh, it's it's one thing to have established it ourselves another thing to have it be supported by canon <laughs> britney lives in the spectrum yes and i guess kurt goes kurt goes home oops rubber band broke um, oh no kurt, <laughs> we're good <laughs> Kurt goes home with no middle ground reached as to campaign vision. And this is why you have more than one meeting before you put anything up. Yeah. Also, Brittany does say what's wrong with homo. 99% of the kids in the school are either freaks or closet freaks. True. Which Probably is like, true. Like the whole, this whole episode is Brittany saying, don't hide your light under a bushel to Kurt. And then because like, then you'll encourage other people to do, to not do the same. Do that. Too many double negatives. Mm-hmm. Brittany is telling Kurt to stand out, and it'll encourage other people to stand out. And why is he ashamed of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it seems like Kurt's arc in this episode will be, like, he is trying to be 
He is trying to be gay in a way that will be socially acceptable, i.e. not camp. Yeah, to to call forward in the episode, he's trying to be Rock Hudson. Yes, he's trying to be like Rock Hudson. He's going to go start a ski lodge in the mountains and not realize that he's in fact going to cause an avalanche by his construction. Oh, right, the movie. I thought you were just... <laughs> I forgot he was in the movie. I thought he did that for real in real life. <laughs> no... Avalanche is one of my favorite MST3K movies. Because <laughs> it's a disaster movie and a mystery science theater 3000. <laughs> anyway, it's time for a reckoning. Yeah. So Puck is leading Quinn down the hall and she's like, uh, this better be quick because me and the skanks are going to throw ketchup covered tampons at the band. <laughs> uh, and he takes her to Shelby and Shelby's like, Quinn, I want you to be part of best life, but only if you clean up your act. Mm-hmm. And my note here was that bit from 30 Rock of like, oh no, my period! But it's, oh no, my postpartum depression! Yeah. <sighs> because Qu Quinn's response to Shelby saying, like, you need to, cl like, Shelby basically saying, like, look, you need to, like, you, you need to quit smoking <laughs> and maybe be a little bit less self-destructive and... Quinn's reaction is, No! Beth is my baby! You're not her mom! I'm her mom! <laughs> and Shelby's like, Wow, it's really great to parent a baby! Take two! <laughs> like, I, I have a lot of sympathy for Quinn, both because the writing is not being especially, uh, I'm gonna say, especially tactful. But again, it's Glee, so what did I expect? But I have sympathy for Shelby and for Quinn. I err more on the side of agreeing with Shelby, Mostly because, again, Quinn's characterization for at least the first, at least the first, I'm gonna say, six or so episodes of the season feels like it's going to be, I want my baby back, ribs. Exactly. Yes. No, yeah, that's that's her arc for this half. <sighs> and it would be great if they actually, like, tried to examine it. Yes, but this is Glee. For better or for worse, this is Glee. Yep. Um, but we'll come back to this plot, because we gotta scooch over to the people doing a dance rehearsal before the booty camp, a pre-booty camp booty camp. Mm-hmm. Or no, I think, no, this is the booty camp. Yes, this is booty camp, yeah. So, Mercedes doesn't even want to be here. Uh, she says that her boyfriend Shane says she's more of a park and bark. So she stands in the center of the stage and sings the notes no one else can while everyone else dances around her. Mm-hmm. And my note here was, it's okay, Amber, you're gonna win Dancing with the Stars in two years, you're good. <laughs> I forgot it was that soon. But yeah, it's like, that would seem like a, a, a bad thing, except it's literally everything that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But they're like, come on, yeah. Mercedes, I'm sure Beyonce puts in the work. Yeah. And it's just, I, we, we'll get there. We do more Mercedes things next episode. I just, I want to save all my discussion for Mercedes for the next episode. That's okay. Just put pins in that. <laughs> Lots of pins in this episode. Exactly. And in the back, we hear Kurt and Blaine talking about how they're both going to audition for West Side Story. And Blaine is like, and as you know, because I am a junior now, I think the role of Tony should go to a senior. So I'm not going to audition for Tony because I want you to get it because I love you very much. And so while, they're gra while they are grapevining, Kurt like just instinctively puts up jazz hands and will call them on it. <laughs> Kurt, jazz hands! And Kurt's like, <laughs> ugh, fine. Which was funny. I liked that part. Yeah. And then we use the West Side Story auditions to sag into Rachel, who mm -hmm. is uh, practicing 
for the Maria edition, and then Shelby also manifests. And she's like, hey girl, your range is better. It was good before, now it's better. I'm your mother. Uh How are you doing? (laughs) And Rachel is like, you're not my mom! I almost had to go to therapy because of you! Yeah. Maybe maybe you should have gone to therapy anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's the almost went to therapy. Like, girl, you should (laughs) have. Yes. Statistically speaking, therapy usually helps. (laughs) But... Shelby's like, hey, where are you auditioning with? And Rachel's like, I don't have to tell you! And I I know I'm kind of playing it like Rachel's like a, ah! But she is, she does like genuinely upset and she has grounds to be upset that Shelby has just kind of swanned in to interrupt yeah, Rachel's Yeah, she's trying to practicing. ice Shelby out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then Shelby suggests you should sing somewhere. And Rachel's like, it's very risky. And Shelby's like, you won't get anywhere in life if you're not taking risks. But also, it's high school theater. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I don't think. I mean, it's Rachel, so I guess she's obviously going to think like this. But in general, I don't think the kids auditioning for high school theater worry too much about the risk versus reward of certain songs. Yeah, and I think there was a part in there also about how Rachel was like, "Oh yeah, I'm like I'm going to sing I Feel Pretty because I know I sound great on that song." And it's like, "Hey, you did a mashup of that last season with Quinn, and it was great." So yes. Statistically proven to work. But yeah, and my note here was, this is the first musical number in the episode and we're 14 minutes in. <laughs> and there's only three songs in this episode. Wild. <laughs> uh, three, three and an eighth. <laughs> <laughs> three in a scale. Yeah, really. <laughs> and my note here is, this is a good Ari look. <laughs> awesome. Because Rachel is in this like, kind of like very light, like pastel pink, lavender dress and it's got like a little bow at the waist but it's like i said it's a very good look for ari (laughs) which is ironic because rachel would absolutely join team rocket if she was in the pokemon world oh absolutely they they would promise her money and fame and she'd sign up immediately (laughs) (laughs) and as far as it goes musically uh somewhere is good rachel sings a verse and then shelby steps in and makes it an uh, kind of awkward duet but the harmonies are good (laughs) story of their lives (laughs) <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of orbital pans. They hold hands in the part about holding hands. <laughs> and then it ends on Rachel's audition. And they're all plotting. And that's it. Yay. Yep. So now we get to see the campaign <laughs> ad that Sue is making with Quinn. Mm-hmm. Filming her, like, walking around, being all crusty, grungy. And the Quinn is like, I used to have everything. Then the arts took it away from me. And then mm-hmm. the voiceover is like, now Quinn does the only thing that gives her solace. Smoking cornstarch. And then Quinn opens her locker <laughs> and pulls out a box of cornstarch and an old tiny pipe. And she's like, The pipe that she pulls out is like she a. She pulls out like a, a trickery of pipe. images ass pipe. Yes, she does. And she's like, Excuse me, what is this? And then we see that Becky's been following her around with a boom mic and a headset, which I think is adorable. <laughs> anyway, the next part of the PSA is that. Uh, Sue prompts Quinn to go in and give Will a piece of her mind. <laughs> and apparently they they ran lines beforehand, and so Quinn yells at Will that everything shitty that's happened in her life is his fault. And I'm like, well, not quite, but I am willing to blame him anyway. <laughs> exactly. But Will William has some words. Yes. 
Miss Fabray, there's only one person in this world you care about, and that's yourself. You're not a little girl anymore, Quinn. How long do you plan on playing the victim card? Since day one, you've done nothing but sabotage the same glee club that has been there for you over and over again. When you got pregnant, when your parents kicked you out, Mercedes even let you live at her house, and I don't recall ever hearing so much as a thank you. So now you're a train wreck. Well, congratulations. But you strive into my office and tell me that it's my fault? Well, then I've got something to say to you. Grow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this dialogue was co-written by uh, the, the critical analysis parts of Tumblr. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but she gets upset and storms out, and then Sue's like, Oh, oopsie-daisy, I've managed to goof up the recording, and I wasn't taping any of that. <laughs> yeah, her finger was over the thing. And I'm like, was it on purpose? Were you trying to help Quinn by letting her vent? Wait, what? <sighs> was this a scheme? I was wondering if it was a scheme or not, because like, a spoiler alert, this is the last that we hear about the PSA in the episode. Yeah. We never see a final c- well, no. No, it's- never mind. It's not the last, because it, it comes back at the end. But, like, we never- I, I wonder if this part was- I, I had a hard time telling if, like, this was a scheme, or if it was like a, Oops, I goofed up the recording! Hey, Quinn, get back here and yell at him again. <laughs> I think it was legit goof. I also think we're overanalyzing it too much. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Uh, anyway, transition <laughs> to Puck is showing up at Shelby's apartment because he got her address from law enforcement, and I hate that. <laughs> yeah, that's just weird. It really is. <sighs> but yeah, and she maybe be somewhat begrudgingly lets him into her apartment. And he says, look, I want to show you that I'm here to do right by, by my daughter, and I want I want to help. And look, I took a drug test, and it shows that I'm clean. I haven't had a drink since they last talked, except for beer. <laughs> and he's been doing homework, which is, like, good for him. But Shelby tells him that being a part of her and Beth's lives has to be on Shelby's terms, not Puck's. And they've talked for long enough that Beth wakes up in her pack and play. <laughs> and she's adorable. She also looks about six to eight months old. <laughs> I don't- I can't judge a baby's age. I am using my nephew as a metric. <laughs> she is one nephew old. <laughs> but yeah, she's also stinking adorable. <laughs> and my note here was Puck is a very cautious and enthusiastic dad. Shelby's like, would you like to hold her? And he's like, oh, I don't want to scare her. But also I drew her a picture and maybe this way she can get used to me being around. And he drew her a clown pig. Yeah, which uh, in real life was drawn by Brad the Pianist and Diana Agron. Aww, nice. And Puck then has like a little monologue about how basically he wants to be, if like if Shelby is okay with it, he wants to be involved in Beth's life, even if Quinn is not able to be in Beth's life as well. And my note here was, Mark and Idina are 11 years apart and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> like, j just because of the fact that Mark Salling was not the most plausible high schooler <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt more like a, I am here to pay child support than a, I am a teenager in high school thing. Exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, transition. <laughs> so then we move over to Kurt's audition. He is mm -hmm. singing, I am the greatest star from Funny Girl <laughs> in his audition for Tony. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Coach Beast points out that, like, isn't this a Barbara Streisand song? 
And Kurt's like, oh, it's okay, no. I got permission from Rachel Berry. And I'm like, <laughs> the Kurt singing song from Funny Girl. <laughs> Current events. Uh, but more importantly, we have some kind of scaffolding. <laughs> She's got a jungle gym. He's got a jungle gym that he gymnastics all over. Uh-huh. He has a good time. Uh, and then for the grand finale, he uh, gets some size. Uh-huh. Like Raphael the Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yes. Which which Chris Colfer knows how to use in real life. He just took it up on a whim. Yes. They wrote this part into the, into the performance of I'm the Greatest Star because Chris Colfer owned size and was learning how to use them. And it's a lot of fun. He's good with comedy. And they're like, hey, that was great. Uh, we'll call you. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know when they're holding auditions, but they've... <laughs> it seems like they've been doing one audition per school day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they probably only... They only have members of the Glee Club auditioning, I guess. So on the one hand, they easily could have done it on the whole day. But on the other hand, I guess they're not so packed with scheduling issues that they need to. <laughs> Apparently. I don't know. Uh, then we cut over back to the Puck and Quinn plot. He goes into the girls' washroom. Uh, and, and Quinn is like, you can't be here. And Puck's like, whatever, I'm here all the time. And I was worried it was going to be another awkward sex joke, but then he just says the stalls are cleaner. Probably true. <laughs> Not necessarily. I have had to unclog the ladies' room several times at work. Oh yeah, no, I just, I mean in the context of public school in America, the women's bathrooms are usually cleaner. Sure, <laughs> anyway, he's sure. just... <laughs> you know, okay, but listen, never, never underestimate a girl's potential. To not oh. give a shit about her shit. <laughs> Understood and acknowledged. This is also a fact. It's called equality. Yes. <laughs> Girls can also be nasty. Yes. I, I, yes. I've smelled the bathrooms at work unintentionally. They're not great. But yeah, he's, he's basically just there to tell Quinn to clean up her act, just like everyone else has been telling her to clean up her act. Yeah. And Quinn's like, why can't anyone just let me live in my punk realness? <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, we back to the audition spot. We get, in my opinion, the greatest line in the episode, even if they didn't realize it. This uh, the I'm the just... directors are discussing Rachel for the role of Maria, and uh -huh. Coach Beast says she's white, but she's Jewish, and I think that helps with the Puerto Rican thing. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was going through Leah Michelle's head too when she was auditioning for West Side Story, even though again, Leah Michelle is Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you mean she auditioned for the West Side Story that that aired or that was filmed and released and got acclaim? Are you like, trying last to Are you season? trying to say movie without saying the word movie? <laughs> well, I was trying to refer to the specific instance of West Side Story. Tanner, are you talking about West Side Story, the new movie? <laughs> Tanner, are you talking about West Side Story, the new movie? Are you happy? I don't, I don't know if she, but we all know the story. If you don't know, Rachel, not Rachel, well, Leah Michelle, same person. Leah Michelle tried to get into a West Side Story, the movie or the play, but it's well known that she was complaining she didn't get the role, even though she learned Spanish. I had not heard this story, actually. Really? I'm pretty sure I heard it from you. If we did... I, I, if we did, I blame, I blame Pandemic. Much like Glee writers, we have forgotten things that happened two years ago. Look, a lot has happened in two years. It's true. Yeah. Anyways, the, the point is, <laughs> Leah Michelle, what a mm -hmm. joke. Yes. Uh, also, back to auditions. 
Beast thinks that Kurt is not trained enough for Tony, but Emma's like, maybe it works, because Tony was, like, a poet of the streets. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're like, we like Kurt, but we like Kurt, but we are going to wait to see the other auditionees before we decide for sure. Yep. And Kurt interprets this as, I need to be more masculine. <laughs> I need to get back to that season one episode where I was butch. Yes, exactly. He he needs to bring Butch Kurt back. <laughs> or Kutch. Um, but but in his distress, he, he goes into the hallways and then he sees, uh-oh, pictures of his head on the body of a unicorn. Or no, he's riding a unicorn. He's riding the unicorn. He hadn't fully yeah. anamorphed into a unicorn yet. <laughs> and Brittany and Santana are putting up these posters and he tears them down because, to camp! Yeah, he's like, Brittany, I thought we agreed that we were going to tone them down. And Santana's like, they were toned down. In the original, the unicorn was riding you. So Kurt's all in a huff. He grabs Rachel and he's like, you're joining me for my last minute Tony re-audition. <laughs> Rachel, I need an emergency heterosexual audition. And we then see Brittany being like, but I thought I thought he would like the posters. And Santana's like, it's okay, Brittany. You did good. And you are the real unicorn. Like, exactly. Good. Tell Brittany she's good. <laughs> If he doesn't think they're great, he doesn't deserve you as a campaign manager because you're a genius. Mm-hmm. Good. Good, good, good. And and while Brittany's getting this pep talk, Kurt and Rachel have just obtained Shakespearean garb. <laughs> yes, and a terrible wig for Chris. <laughs> or at least it looks like it's yeah. a wig. Yeah. It's probably one of those wigs like sewn into the hat. Yeah. Anyway, let's be heterosexual. <laughs> just to show you that I can be manly, I'm gonna do a scene from Romeo and Juliet. And Rachel's like, just for your consideration, I learned this scene 10 minutes ago and I'm already off book. <laughs> and then I fast forwarded through it because it was cringe. Yeah, it's, I, I had it muted. <laughs> they, they do the scene where it's like Romeo and Juliet after having spent the night together and, you know, having had sex, which Kurt does describe as post-coital, which gets a chuckle from the directors. And Kurt, I again, I didn't listen to the scene, so I can't tell you how reasonable his acting was but the directors don't believe Kurt's attempt at heterosexuality and when he goes in for like the goodbye kiss as Romeo was off to leave and ask for her hand in marriage or whatever he goes in for the kiss and Rachel dodges out of the way <laughs> and the directors all laugh and Rachel's like no it's okay you could look look I will kiss you try like do it again we will kiss and he gets very upset and then runs away in his in his poofy little pants. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, oh Kurt, oh honey. Anyway, so anyways, time for another oh no episode another another oh no scene. Yeah, so we cut over to a classroom. Who knows who's one of the it's, many it, abandoned classrooms of McKinley. No, it is it is the classroom set. This is the same classroom where last season Quinn and Sam had their had their moment about the stars and the planets and where they shot a uh, slave for you <laughs> I recognize the walls I have watched <laughs> too much glee <laughs> uh, but yeah so sugar still can't sing she's practicing with Shelby I am mm. a shining star I am I a shining am a star shining star and Shelby's like, no, shut the fuck up. Holy shit. Listen to me. She's like, do you not hear that I am that I am raising and lowering the pitch of my voice? And she's, Sugar says, yeah, I can hear a difference. I sound good and you sound terrible. 
Anyway, I have to go watch My Strange Addiction. Bye! I love you! <laughs> and she leaves and Shelby's like, Jesus Christ. And Quinn's like, haha, it's funny because she can't sing. And Shelby's like, Quinn, I know what happened to you. Because it happened to me when I had to give up my Rachel to her two gay dads. I got a Regis Philbin tattoo and a Shanae O'Connor haircut. <laughs> and Quinn is like, and I bet that didn't work. And Shelby's like, it absolutely did not. <laughs> but then Shelby tries to give her like a like a pep talk, I guess. Yeah, basically she says like, Quinn, that you're not a skank. But before you start, I know you're not a cheerleader either. This is your senior year. You mm -hmm. gotta find the real you. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're 18. <laughs> and something that she says in there is like, you have to be willing to give of yourself for the sake of your child. And also, don't beat yourself up for the things that you did when you were a child. Exactly. Which, like, damn, when did Shelby get a psychology degree? <laughs> <laughs> but Quinn seems to take this to heart a little bit. She also, and... like, Qu Quinn wants to meet Beth to, like, for the motivation because she knows Puck got to see her. And Shelby's like, I mm -hmm. can show you a photo. Yes. And also, Quinn said, please, like, please let me meet, please let me be in Beth's life. Please let me meet her. Mm-hmm. And uh, in response, Shelby unlocks her phone and shows Quinn the blurriest JPEG <laughs> of, of Beth and Puck. Like, literally, there's like 16 pixels in this whole thing. <laughs> they took this picture on someone's flip phone and put it on an iPhone. But then Quinn is like, oh my god, she's so perfect. And Shelby is like, yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. And leaves and then Quinn cries. And it's a good cry. <laughs> Yes. Ooh, one, th one thing about Diana Agron, she's gonna cry good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so then <laughs> we run over to the Bert's, the, the, the Bert Tire and Shop. Mm -hmm. uh, Rachel is helping Finn with a car like a surgeon. Yes. Lock Cut nut. for the very first time. <laughs> God. They should have done a Weird Al episode. No. Yes. Al, er, Weird Al doesn't deserve that. <laughs> No, hang on, hang on, hang on, Christine. What if, what if in the Glee reboot, what if? Will was played by Weird Al? Oh, that would make him 50 million times more redeemable and sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> or at least if he did weird bullshit, it's actually funny because it's Weird Al. Yes, if Al Yankovic was playing Will, was playing the teacher, the weird things that he did would be weird because he's weird and they wouldn't be creepy. <laughs> And Weird Al wouldn't be sending inappropriate inappropriate texts to coworkers or contestants. Yeah. What we're saying is Glee should dare to be Because he's a class act. I love Weird Al. I watched the, or I listened to the Hamilton polka that Weird Al did yesterday a couple of times. And also I watched the music video that Weird Al himself made of cut together footage from Hamilton. And I'm like, this is my most favorite way to consume Hamilton as a media. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Rachel's helping out Finn, and she's like, just so you know, I'm gonna be at Emotional Defcon 1 until the results come out, so I'm going to be even more self-centered than usual. And hey, at least she's recognizing her own behavior. <laughs> exactly, and you know, she hasn't been too bad this season yet. Second episode. Let's see if she can keep the streak up! <laughs> it's been two days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she wants Finn to audition, but he's like, no, I want to focus on football and glee. Those are my strengths. I'm not going in for the acting right now. I also, I wouldn't mind staying in Ohio and working for Bert. And mm -hmm. 
And to her credit, Rachel's like, I honestly would love that for you too, but only if you also love that for you. And I don't think you would. I think you want to be the big boy out in the big boy world. Yeah, it's it's very heartwarming because it's like, I mean, part of it is also Rachel being like, I want you to come to New York with me so that we can, so that we don't have to do long distance and we can still be together. But also, like, you are, like, Finn, you are special. And I want you to know and believe that you are special and that you deserve to have good things happen to you. And whether or not that's staying in Ohio and working with Bert and taking up a position of management in the garage, or if that's going to New York and doing something big, like he deserves that because he's special. And I'm like, good. This is the good Finchel for as long as it lasts. <laughs> and they have a smooch. Yep. Uh, and then Bert walks by, stop making out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kurt is there sulking in the background. Yeah, he's sulking by the desk and Bert is like, what do you want? And Kurt's like, I want to help with the cars. And Bert goes, yeah, and you only volunteer for that when you want something or you need money. So what's up, kid? Yeah, which is which is cute because it's like he knows his son. Yeah. <laughs> and Kurt is like, was like, I'm upset that I can't pass as straight. <laughs> And because he's like, I want to be in musical theater, but the roles in musical theater that are that are like more written as like written as gay men characters are like La Caja Full and I forgot what the other two were on his list. Yeah, it was like two really campy male characters and then Miss Saigon as Miss Saigon. Yeah. <laughs> and Bert is like, hey, if there aren't roles in media for you to play then you should make those roles happen well okay that's that's the end of his speech because first he says dude you're gay you're not rock hudson gay you'd sing like diana ross and you dress like you own a magic chocolate factory <laughs> and i love i love you i love you yes. and i wouldn't have it any other way but kid <laughs> you're fucking gay yeah don't he- he's basically giving the exact same speech that britney gave him beforehand don't hide your gay under a bushel. <laughs> True. And he says, like, you should be who you are. Because even if, like, even if who you are is a unicorn, because a unicorn without a horn is a freaking horse. Yep. <laughs> like, what makes you special makes you strong. And then this is the part where he says, you should write the roles that you want to, that you want to perform if they don't already exist, which is great. Be the gay you want to see in the world. <laughs> Nice. Now, I will I will also say uh, that when he mentioned Miss Saigon, he could just go audition for female roles and just make the plays gay. True. He could. Which, now, I don't, I don't know if any major Broadway productions have done that, but it happens enough on, like, non-Broadway shows and touring shows of, like, gender mm -hmm. shuffling, so, like, it's mm -hmm. not out of the question. Yes. Yeah. So after this, we cut over to the booty camp, where mm -hmm. they're focusing on Finn, and it's basically, like... Finn goes, I don't think I can dance. And Will says, I know more about dance than you. And I say, you can dance. And then he does a dance. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, my notes literally were, Finn falls down during a sequence and says he can't do it. But then he gives it one more try and he does it. It does the thing. And everyone Yay. applauds. <laughs> and it just, you describing the scene in that way reminded me of, the song Gotta Dance from Singing in the Rain, which would have been great for them to do. <laughs> me describing it like that reminded me of the part from the Supergirl movie where Supergirl goes, I can't! 
And then the disembodied voice of her mentor says, You can! And then she does. Wait, what? The Supergirl movie from the 80s. Oh, I haven't seen it. Okay. Me neither, but I saw a funny review of it once. Thanks, Alison Pregler. <laughs> nice. I'll have to look it up. Maybe it was Lindsay Ellis. One of them. Anyways, speaking of women yeah. who are blonde, Quinn walks back in, getting <laughs> the full Ali Sheedy makeover from The Breakfast Club. I hate it. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm Running just back like... punk Quinn. Yeah, pink was a good look on her. <laughs> you, but they, she's like, <laughs> they could have said they could have. I mean, this isn't super deep, but they could have had Quinn be like, "Listen, I'm not smoking. I'm not hanging around with the skanks anymore. But I want to try this look out for a little bit because it does make me feel different and closer to myself than the Cheerios <laughs> were." And then you could have had a cut to Tina and have her nod in approval because God forbid we give her a line. But still, <laughs> no, Tina. Tina had a line at the beginning. She had a line encouraging Artie to be the director. <laughs> But Tina should also encourage Quinn to be goth. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Rightsigly, everything is the same <laughs> except that Quinn and Tina are none more goth throughout the entire series. God, could you imagine? <laughs> the only major events that change is that they do, uh, they do an Evanescence tribute episode. Oh, uh, that would be so cool. God, could you imagine Tina, like, taking Solo on, like, Bring Me to Life? <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm not sure if Jenna would be the best fit for Bring to Life. I think she'd be better for one of the slower ones. Like that is, that, that, That's also the only major song that I know from Evanescence. I'm, so. I'm, picture, I'm more picturing Jenna doing Going Under or Tourniquet. I haven't heard Tourniquet, but I have heard Going Under. Or My Immortal. And yes, both, <laughs> admittedly, the two Evanescence songs that I know are in the context of Kingdom Hearts AMVs. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I think, th I think that would have been fun. They should have gotten to do Evanescence. <laughs> Anyways, God. yeah, so so Quinn anyway. shows up. She's she's pinkless, she's punkless. She wants help with the dancing because she wants to win nationals. And Will's like, that's great, Quinn, welcome back. Uh-huh. And Mercedes is like, come here, Quinn, let me give you a hug. And Quinn is like, oh god, physical affection, what was I forgot what this was like. <laughs> <laughs> and she falls in line with the others, and as soon as she and Puck are sitting next to each other in line, he's like, Hey, I'm proud of you. And then she drops the mask and she's like, I'm only here to get full custody of Beth. Uh-oh, scary Quinn. Oh, how the turntables. Once upon a time, Terry was trying to steal a baby. Now Quinn is trying to steal a baby. <sighs> a plot so nice they did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <sighs> For a certain value of nice. <laughs> so from this, we go over back to the staff room where Sue yeah. <laughs> approaches the, uh, no, the table of decent teachers. For a given value of decent. Yeah. It's lowered by Will being there. Yeah, two competent teachers and Will. And she goes, hello, yes. She-Hulk. Weepy the vest clown. To which Will is like, oh, that's a good one. And then she, to Emma, she refers to as little Miss Golden Marmoset. Which, did you know, is a Brazilian monkey. And you're the spinning image. <laughs> <laughs> I do like marmosets. I think they're cute. I've seen them in zoos. Anyway, but... Will is like, hey, guess who's back in Glee? It's Quinn. Your ad is now pointless. And Sue is like, well, actually, now I'm spitting Quinn as a relapsed art addict, as featured on My Strange Glee Club Addiction, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and now Sue is up in the polls. Yeah. Nine points ahead of a Republican challenger slash pizza magnate Reggie the Sauce Salazar. <laughs> How many people in the small Ohio town will be part of the mob? <laughs> He's like from a competing family. Yes. Almada and Reggie Salazar definitely have hits out on each other, but they are too high profile for any of them to be completed. Yes. Absolutely. 
And as soon as something about, I'm going to go sit at the winner's table. And she leaves. And then Coach Beast is like, we need to find someone to run against Sue. The anti-Sue. And I'm over here, I'm like, look, this is probably, you are probably starting the primary elections soon. So like, just, you could also just go vote in your elections. But no, they have to involve themselves in local elections, as well as being teachers, as well as co-directing the school musical. As well as being part-time therapists for their kids. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that plot. Those plots are wrapped up for this episode. Uh, and now the mm-hmm. final, or the, 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 the penultimate plot, uh, as Brittany sees Kurt putting up some gay posters of mm-hmm. himself with a unicorn horn, because he is unic- he and unicorn. Yes, he is a rune child now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Brittany, you were right. Unicorns. And Brittany's like, I know I was right, but I am also a unicorn. Well, maybe I'm a bicorn. So I'm going to be your direct competition. Yes. She's like, I am realizing my own magical powers and I'm now competing against you. And he's like, oh, okay. And you can see like the panic behind his eyes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the whole face journey of like, oh, Brittany's nice, but she's also really popular, but she's also not super bright, but she's also like clearly knows more about this thing than I do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to conclude Kurt's panic arc, he's waiting in the wings watching Blaine audition. Mm-hmm. Blaine sings Something's Coming from West Side Story, and they're like, that uh, was a great song, but you said it's... you didn't want to audition for Tony. No, I... Tanner, uh, Tanner, the stand has to talk about this musical number, okay, if okay. I may. <laughs> it's fucking phenomenal, y'all. It This song is, like, right in Darren Chris's sweet spot. His diction is really good. Which is something that I hadn't noticed in the previous musical numbers in this episode, but like his diction is great, and like there's a part in a song about catch the moon one handed catch, and like he reaches out to catch it, and then at the director's table, Artie also reaches out to catch it, like catch it, <laughs> <laughs> and we see we see Kurt looking on proudly from the balcony in the theater. No, he's not in the he's in the wings. Oh, he's in he's in the wings. Yeah. Okay, well, Kurt, yeah, Kurt is there. He is in the wings. He is proud of Blaine, and he does a very good job with the last note, because it's like, maybe tonight, maybe tonight, and it's better, but he holds it for a very long time, which is good. I don't think he holds it for as long as Lindsay did last episode. Oh, not nearly But it's long. still good. No one, no one will. No one ever holds a candle to Lindsay. Yes, but it's a very, it's very good, and it was a lot of fun, but yeah. And then they're like, wow, Blaine, you're so good. But also, you mentioned here you only wanted to audition for Bernardo. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, or Officer Krupke. Uh, either is good. And I'm like, oh, he is only auditioning for those because he wants Kurt to be Tony. <laughs> and Stan bit is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Blaine's I, like, I, I don't, get off my stand I don't necessarily <laughs> want to read for Tony, you know, because my boyfriend wants to be Tony. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. but... Could you please read for Tony because you'd be good at the role? And Blaine's like, uh, and Kurt in the Wings is like, aww. Yeah, and he gets sad and leaves. <laughs> and that's the episode. That's the episode. <laughs> Weird note to end it on. But, you know, they usually don't end it on notes like that, so I do applaud that. Yeah, it is a little different. All in all, I think this was a very well put together episode. Uh, we, it does... <sighs> We did kind of have, like, gear changey between some of the scene transitions. I mean, is it which is, is it any more or less noticeable than a usual episode? I think the main difference is we couldn't think of clever sags for them. 
Yeah, it felt, when I was watching the episode, it felt more noticeable, but it probably wasn't any more or less clunky of a transition than other than other transitions have been in the series so far. I just felt it more. But yeah. All right. So I started. Christina, what song are you giving a gold star to? <laughs> you have one guess and it doesn't count. It's, 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 oh lot. he's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. Something's Coming by Blaine. This is another one of the songs that I had on iTunes and I did listen to for quite a while. I mean, they're all, they're all fine songs, but also it's like, I don't like giving gold stars to Rachel unless I have to. And same. <laughs> I'm the greatest star was well performed, but you're supposed to kind of side eye it because Kurt apparently just doesn't know how to audition. Like, yeah, it's like when you're auditioning for a when you're auditioning for a particular role, you should try to audition with a song that, if it's not from the show, from the character, is similar in tone to that character. You know exactly. And if you're going to do a reading of a play, you should do one from a more butch play. Should have read something from Julius yes. Caesar or Titus Andronicus. <laughs> Streetcar Named Desire, which is repressed the homosexuality. Hey, for the longest time, I thought that, that play was called A Streetcar Named Desiree. <laughs> I think that's fair, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm also giving a gold star to that. I think I mentioned that. Excellent. Let's uh, gold star moment. Oh, God. I honestly don't know. Okay, I'll say mine, which was yeah, the speech that Shelby gives to Quinn about, like, finding mm-hmm. yourself and forgiving yourself for the things you did as a child. Because even though even though I wish that Quinn didn't drop the punk vibes right after that, Shelby never actually says stop being a punk. She just says stop smoking. I don't want that stank mm-hmm. around the baby. Yes. And so in, in that moment, it's very much like, I don't know if this is you, but I know the Cheerio isn't either. So I encourage you to experiment. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing to say to a child who's going through it. Now, I don't know, maybe not necessarily for someone who's going through full postpartum depression, but they didn't know that she was. And mm-hmm. I, if anyone figured it out, they sure don't say anything on the show. Damn, I wish they actually, yeah. like, sent... I wish Quinn went to the same therapist that Rachel almost went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm gonna agree with you. I was considering making it be like, this episode had some good encouraging speeches, but I really liked that I really liked that Quinn got a talking to from someone who wasn't just like, was like, <laughs> from someone who like had actual, I guess, tough love instead of just Will being like, wow, your life sucks. And it's because you made it that way. Not me, Will Schuster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll agree with you. Do you have a worst moment? Um, <laughs> I might make it the, Ro- the Romeo. And- no, it's not the Romeo and Juliet scene in particular. It's. Kurt feels like he has to be butch. I don't know. I thought that mm, I... the the Romeo and Juliet scene was bad. <laughs> but it's supposed to be bad. Like the the whole time you're supposed to see Kurt trying to be mask is the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's the premise of the episode. Yeah. Oh God. Both of the episodes so far in the season, I've had problems figuring out what the best and the worst are. Well, figuring what, out what the best is because they're they're not mid. Oh no! But they're like even. Oh no, I, I have a, I have a worst. The worst is oh no, my postpartum depression. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm saving oh no my postpartum depression for later episodes or it becomes worse. <laughs> I'm not against bringing it back, <laughs> but I'm gonna say that for this time. Okay, uh, I'm going to say Puck knowing Shelby's address because he has friends in law enforcement. 
which is oh no, I take it back. That's the worst. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it, creepy. It, yeah, not only is it creepy, but it also doesn't make sense. Like as a joke, where did this come from? Is the implication that Puck befriended the cops that arrested him, and now they look up people's addresses for him? That's terrifying. I mean, the police system is terrifying in general, but also the fact that they told Puck someone's address, the address of the person who has adopted his biological child. Yeah, that fucked up. It is. A cab. Yes, a cab always. And a cab means all cops are bastards. Imagine if this was the first place someone heard that term. <sighs> I got radicalized by a glee podcast. <laughs> cool. <laughs> But also, I think this is, like, the first time in a long time that we've, like, agreed on all three. I think so. I think it's because, like, so normally the worst is, like, hey, here's a whole, like, here we set a full slur or something like that. And this time it's just, like, mm-hmm. an innocuous joke that reels weird in hindsight. And then the best part yeah. is, well, you gotta do some character analysis to determine why this stands out. <laughs> and yeah. the song is, like, it's the, the one good song out of only three songs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the the funny, well, one of the funny things is that the Glee Wiki credits I Am a Shining Star as an unreleased song from this episode. And it's like, y'all, it's just scales. <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't credit Rachel singing me, 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 you last time. That wasn't a song. <laughs> but <laughs> this time they were like, no, it counts as a song. <laughs> oh, Glee Wiki. I'm checking if there's any interesting trivia other than the pig, the clown pig. That was the only one that showed up to me when I was looking for trivia, so. Puck is wearing the same shirt that he wore when he sang Beth while he visits her, which is most likely a coincidence, but it could be for sentimental reasons. Was he not just wearing a black t-shirt? <laughs> I, Tanner, I don't remember much of season one. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was like two years ago, real lifetime. Um... Unless you got any other trivia, I'll go ahead and do the outro. I have none trivia. <laughs> cool. None trivia, left outro. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and at Loser Like Me Pod at gmail.com. Uh, next time, we might have a Tina and Mike episode, possibly. <laughs> it's actually just a Mike episode. Wow, what a concept. I know, Mike, Mike is Chang getting character Tina. development? <laughs> oh, that part's gonna be good at least. But we'll have to listen to that next time. Yes. Are we, are we, are we done? I think we're done, yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, and, and that's, that's what, what you missed on Glee. Glee. Just, Just go, go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. That's what you missed on Glee. 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 I can do this all day.